You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you're lost and alone and you feel like you need a lift. When the times are tough and your day has gone adrift, you can always press play on Buzz Broadway. Buzz Broadway. So just press play today. Welcome back to the Buzz Broadway podcast featuring us. Oh, who are we? That's, what did you, what did you like to do that one time? What did you try to do? That's Amanda Harrington. <laughs> yeah, it was going to work really, really well until you shot it down. What if people don't know the differences between our voices? I was trying to help them out. Oh, wow. For our tens of fans. Tens. <laughs> tens of whole fans. That's the, being generous. Very generous. Welcome, guys. Um, Tonight we are talking about rent. Rent, 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 rent. I love Rent. Okay, you've never been in it, right? No, have you? No. No, neither of us have. How disrespectful. <laughs> Truly, I have been obsessed with this a little piece of theater since I was in middle school. I remember, like, not understanding it. Yeah. Really what it was about at all. And then slowly over time, kind of figuring out what was going on in this amazing Pulitzer-winning drama. Drama, uh, I do want to talk about it a little later. I know that... Stop looking at me like that. I feel like you're reading my mind. I do want to talk about this a little bit later. I do feel like Joanne is my alter... by No, my alter lesbian ego. I really feel like the lesbian side of my bisexuality is Joanne. Not like she's my type. Like, I think I am her. And you think, like, Maureen's are your types? <laughs> No. Okay. I just think me and Joanne have a lot in common. She's like, I like to make lists. I like to be on time. Yeah. I like to not cheat. I'm here for all of those things for you. Anyways. I agree with you. I understand what you're saying. I think I am uh, the waiter at the Life Cafe. Yeah? No, please, no. Not tonight. (laughs) That's kind of what I you relate and your, to. You and your pie shop. Me and my pie no, shop. Please get out. The other day, a homeless man threw chain like fistful of change at me through the window of our pie shop. <laughs> Why? I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. It's a crazy world we're living in. Amanda, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking wine. Ooh. Should I start lying and say I'm drinking something more interesting? No. What kind of wine are you drinking? I don't know. Something out of the two for 14 bin. Is it red? Is it white? Is it light? It's is white. It dark? I think it's a Pinot Grigio. Nice. It is. Love that. Amazing. What are you drinking? I made myself one nice drink, and then I'm probably just going to drink straight gin with um, <gasps> polar orange dry. Oh, okay. A mixy. <clears throat> gin and juice. Yeah, that sounds like great. Like the old days. Yeah. Tank gray. But I, I made it a little fancy. I smoked some rosemary and perfumed the glass. I took the bottle out of the fridge and screwed off the cap. Are you are you drinking a Riesling Rioja <laughs> or a dazzling peach crab apple? I, I can't. I'm pretty I, good at that. I'm impressed. Thank you. Would you like to hear about our drinking rolls this evening? Yeah. 
as always, the house rule is, if you sing a, a line from the show, you must drink. Tonight, tonight is all about the great city of New York, where rent is set. Where Amanda doesn't so, live, but Sam St. Jean does. If anything is mentioned about the state of New York, that means... Oh, oh you're doing rules rules. Rules rules. Okay. Rules rules. Um, that means if anything is mentioned about New York, that means New York, New York City, Manhattan, a borough, a street, we must drink. Love it. In addition to any mention of New York City or anything relating to New York City involving a drink, Amanda will also be answering trivia questions about the great city of New York. If she gets it wrong, she has to drink. If she gets it right, I have to drink. Would you like a test question? I can't wait to quiz you next week on Friends quotes or something like that. Well, it has to pertain to the musical, so unless we're talking about Friends, the unauthorized musical, (laughs) I don't know that that's going to work. All right, ask me a test one. Amanda. What New Ellis York City? Island. Is that your final answer? <laughs> no, go ahead. Ask. Amanda. Mm. What New York City Art Deco building has six levels of stainless steel arches topped by a lit lancelet spire on its top? Do I get multiple choice? You do not. <laughs> you give me multiple choice for high school musical, but not for this? This is um, a different quiz and a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm in a weird mood tonight. I don't know what it is, but I'm very... The Chrysler. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> wow, that's what correct. a guess out of my butt. I'm going to take a sip. Yeah, that's the only one I'm getting right Everyone's today. recognized, everyone, most people can recognize that the Art Deco building that is in the New York City skyline is the Chrysler building. Yeah, I noticed that it is, uh... <laughs> what are you smoking? The air. Okay. Okay. An invisible cigarette like Susan Blackwell. All right. You ready to take a shot? I am indeedy. I actually have to have a chaser tonight. Weak. Just kidding. I always need a chaser. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Drink. <laughs> Set in the East Village of Manhattan, Rent is about falling oh. in love. Yep, you're right. Take a step. Rent is about falling in love, finding your voice, and living for today. Winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical and the Pulitzer Prize for Drama, Rent has become a popular. No. Rent has become you a are pop. In a weird mood tonight. Mm. Rent has become a pop cultural phenomenon with songs that rock and a story that resonates with audiences of all ages. Based loosely on Puccini's La Boheme, Jonathan Larson's Rent follows a year in the life of a group of impoverished young artists and musicians struggling to survive and create in New York City, drink, under the shadow of the HIV-AIDS epidemic. The physical and emotional complications of the disease pervade the lives of Roger, Mimi, Tom, and Angel. Maureen deals with her chronic infidelity through performance art. Her partner, Joanne, wonders if their relationship is worth the trouble. Benny has sold out his bohemian ideals in exchange for a hefty income and is on the outs with his former friends. Mark, an aspiring filmmaker, feels like an outsider to life in general. How these young bohemians negotiate their dreams, loves, and conflicts provides the narrative thread to this groundbreaking musical. It sounds really dramatic to compare Jonathan Larson to Mozart, but they both died at the age of 35. I think, or around there, and they book, imagine the creations they could have had if they lived longer. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Larson barely got to do Scratch anything. Scratch the surface. And, and what he did was incredible. Absolutely. So, he was born in New York. Drink. Sippy, sippy. He was born in New York in 1960. He uh, went to school and majored in acting. He worked at the infamous Moondance Diner in Lost City uh, for <laughs> nine and a half years. Lost City. And a um, little, little fact, the guy who played the original Tom Collins, he also worked at Moondance and was trained by Jonathan Larson. Jesse O. Martin. That's what I said. Uh, one thing he wrote while he 
was still early on in his career. It was called Superbia, which is based on the book 1984 by George Orwell. And mm. I would love to see what that is like. I wonder if it's denied. spooky. I don't know. It was like set in like modern age and all that stuff too. Like just like Rent is. It would be very cool, but it got denied to produce. There was a um, there was a play yeah. version of 1984 that was on Broadway several a couple years ago, and everybody said it was extremely frightening. People passed Ooh. out in the theater and had to like get <gasps> like taken out because it was so intense. Oh my god, I want to see it so badly. <clears throat> so the first big thing he wrote was "Tick Tick Boom." It was an autobiographical rock monologue. So it was. It was a monologue about his life, basically. One long musical describing himself. There's a song in the musical called Sunday, and it's to pay homage to Stephen Sondheim because he was not really a mentor, but they but Sondheim did comment on his work sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because Stephen Sondheim is the best. Truly. Billy Aronson, originally, he was a playwright. He came up with this idea of what, what if... You did, like, a modern-day La Boheme by Puccini. So that was his idea. Unfortunately, Jonathan Larson died unexpectedly the morning of Rent's first preview. And the cast, like, they... Oh, you'll talk about that. Uh, He died from an aortic dissection. Is it dissection or dissection? It was an aneurysm. Yeah, he had gone to the doctor because he'd had it for a couple days. He'd gone to the doctor and it was misdiagnosed as the flu or stress. And if they, doctors have said like now if they had caught it and actually properly diagnosed it, he would have lived. So, yeah. Amanda, before we move on to our next category, would you like to answer another trivia question about the great city of New York? So every time you bring it up, do we have to drink too? Yeah, of course we do. Which landmark is older? Tower Bridge in London? Or the Brooklyn Bridge in Brooklyn? I'm going to say Brooklyn Bridge. That's correct. I'm killing it. Well done. You really did it. How do you feel? Give yourself a good old pat on the back. Hat on the back? Yeah, hat on the back. Are you trying to say pat on the back? No, you've heard of hat in the back. Nope. You've heard of cat in the hat. Now get ready for it. Hat, hat Hat on the sack. I do not want. I do not want you here or there. I do not want my my hair chair. No, you're done. You're done. You're out. <laughs> so anyway, fired. tell me about the original production. As you were talking about, Jonathan Larson was living in New York City, ooh, specifically Greenwich Village, in the late 1980s, and he did start collaborating with Billy Aronson on an adaptation of La Boheme. They'd wanted to update it, make it more modern. And Jonathan Larson decided that it would be really interesting to set what was originally this very lavish, luxurious um, backdrop of La Boheme to set a plot like that against the sort of grungy, messy East, East Village, another subset of the city that we're talking about tonight. And Greenwich Village is right next to the East Village, so it was sort of like a neighboring neighborhood for Jonathan Larson, so he got to kind of spectate on it while he lived in the city. Larson decided that he wanted to call the musical Rent, and Aronson was a little apprehensive about that until Larson explained that Rent has two meanings. So, of course, he did mean it as the way that it's used in the opening number, talking about paying your monthly rent for your apartment, the fee that it costs mm-hmm. to live in a space, you know, every month of the year. But Rent is also a past term of the word rend, R-E-N-D, which means to tear something apart. So in the, at the, the very last lyric of the opening song, Rent, they sing, everything is rent. And I never really understood what that meant. Like, why is everything rent? Why is everything your monthly payment? But they're basically saying everything has been torn apart. What? Because everything is rent. They sing rent, 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 because everything is rent. Everything's been torn apart and our lives are in shambles and our life is a mess. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, I think we talked about this in our very first episode. It's like, um, that's what woods are for, for those mm-hmm. moments in the woods. The lyric is the actually wood. W-O-U-L-D and not W-O-O-D. Pretty amazing. 
So Larson and Aronson worked on the show for a couple years, and eventually Aronson kind of got tired of working on it, and Larson asked his permission to continue on the project and to inherit Aronson's original concept. And Aronson agreed on the condition that he would be credited if the show ever went to Broadway with original concept and additional lyrics. And Larson kept true to that promise, and so did the creative team Mm -hmm. when the show moved to Broadway. Jonathan really wanted to bring theater into the MTV world and create a rock musical that was going to appeal to um, mainstream uh, youth and popular culture. So after several months of work of, you know, working on the show and there was an initial reading at the New York Theater Workshop, uh, the show actually was incorporated into the season of the New York Theater Workshop off Broadway. And what wound up happening is Jonathan Larson had a New York Times interview the night of their final dress. uh, And he went to the interview and then went home. This was after he had been misdiagnosed with the flu. And the company woke up the next morning, the morning of what was going to be their opening night or their first preview, to find out that Larson had passed away from an unexpected aneurysm. What wound up happening is that the show actually was an extreme success and transferred to Broadway. Uh, from the New York Theater Workshop, they struggled to find a theater that was going to adequately suit their needs. And what they actually found that was actually like a perfect moment of serendipity is that the Nederlander Theater, which is uh, like a famous Broadway theater now, was undergoing renovations at the time that Rent was trying to find a house on Broadway. Hmm. <laughs> the producers of Rent contacted the contractors and the construction workers of the Nederlander and figured out what they had to do to keep the theater uh, exactly as it was while it was under construction and still make it structurally sound. So they performed in what was a in-process renovated Nederlander theater. So the aesthetic of the theater actually matched the sort of grunge aesthetic of the show, which I think is incredible to think about. Yeah. The fact that they were performing in a theater that was decrepit and falling down around them is like such a perfect allegory for what was happening in the show. Yeah. So after the Broadway production opened, they earned 10 Tony nominations. They won four awards, including Best Musical, and Jonathan Larson earned two posthumous uh, Tony Awards mm-hmm. for Best Book and Best Score. I think it's pretty remarkable. I want to point out that this show won Best Book. It's a sung through musical, and it didn't only win Best yeah. Score, it also won Best Book. Uh, it also won the 1996, I believe, Pulitzer uh, Prize mm-hmm. for drama for highlighting um life in new york city during the aids crisis why do you hate me (laughs) i don't hate you i just got very serious talking about jonathan larson because i respect him a lot i don't want to try to make it too silly you know what i mean i totally understand do you know what they did for their performance that evening i kind of I, i know what you're gonna say but i don't really know so remind me they felt like they should do a reading instead of doing out the full performance like to honor him because they didn't oh, know didn't they start do. as a reading and they couldn't keep it in anymore and they had to it was during um lovey bowen the characters the people who played i think leanie and angel looked at each other and they just started crawling across the table because like you're right they couldn't keep it in so then during intermission they decided they have to do act two full out it's such a beautiful moment. I can't imagine having to go on stage after something so tragic like that happening. And somebody who right. also is like the entire show. Like it's not just, I don't want to downplay anybody on a production team passing away, but this entire show was created at the hands of one person. Everybody's in the room because of one person. It's not like as collaborative as a traditional theatrical experience where you know, everybody kind of has equal hands in the in the in the making of it. Well, and it, this is also so autobiographical. Like Jonathan Larson really is Mark in mm-hmm. so many ways. Um, in like he filmed his last he filmed his entire last day working at the Moondance Diner. Similar similarly to Mark, and mm. you know he, yeah. I don't know, I found a lot of characteristics between, <clears throat> or similarities between his life and this musical so interesting. Like, he went to Life Support because he did have HIV, and so he went to Life Support as well, and he used the names in the show 
in the life support group, he used actual names of friends who had died. Like, it's just so beautiful. Have you ever looked at a libretto from Rent or, like, read through the script? I have not. So there's a footnote on the page where life, the number life support starts, and it suggests that if anybody in the company, either uh, an actor in the show has HIV, or if uh, anybody in the company is connected to somebody who has HIV, that you can replace any of the names in the life support group with somebody in your life who has either contracted HIV or passed away from HIV. Um, I think it's a really magical little footnote in the in the script. Me too. I want to pay homage to how lovely Rent is, but before we go to our little break where you talk about the plot, Amanda, I want to ask you another NYC trivia question. Toss it back, girl. Amanda, you live in Boston, is that correct? That is correct. Tell me about... A few of the subway lines that run through the city of Boston. Just name them off the top of your head. Green line, red line, A, B, C, D, E. Perfect. Orange. Amanda, tell me, name name three New York City subway lines. A, B, C. Nicely done. Thank you. I know that Lin-Manuel took the A train. That's correct. The A train runs up the west side of Manhattan and into Brooklyn. There's also a famous jazz standard called The A train. train. Yes. Sung by, Cole, it was written by Cole Porter. Was it? Yeah. Are you Googling it or do you just I'm know not that? Googling it. I know that because in Lynn Manuel Miranda's hit musical In the Heights, the lyric reads As my man Cole Porter said, you must take the A train. All right. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and enjoy Amanda Harrington talking you through the plot of Jonathan Larson's Rent. It is Christmas Eve. Mark and his buddy Roger, their roommates, they're in a New York City apartment, and there's no heat. And Mark's, like, filming Roger plays guitar, and Roger's like, I'm playing guitar. And then his mom, Mark's mom calls. Sorry, and she's like, hey, Mark, heard your girlfriend Joanne dumped you, and she's a lesbian. Call me back. So then their other friend, Collins, gets there. They're like, yo, we haven't seen you in so long. Here's the keys. Come on up. (sighs) Poor Collins gets robbed mugged mugged (laughs) luckily he doesn't have like any money so then they get another call benny not benny there's too many characters introduced all in the beginning collins is off sulking somewhere because he got mugged mark and roger upstairs they get another call their their voicemail is like off the chain this evening christmas eve benny calls and benny's like hey your rent is due and they're like what i thought we were i thought we were buds and he's like no you gotta pay me rent so basically everybody in this apartment complex is just like we're fucking over it life sucks i'm just really frustrated i don't have any money there's no heat help okay we cut back to collins collins is on the side of the street hurt and this beautiful person comes up to Collins and is like, are you okay? No, you're ill. My name's Angel. And Collins is like, you're hot. You're hot. And Angel's like, thanks. I'm HIV positive. And Collins is like, me too. And they bond. Then back to Mark and Roger's apartment. Mark is like, I'll be right back. Don't forget to take your AZT, which is his... HIV medication. So Roger has HIV AIDS as well. Mark's like, I know that your girlfriend wrote you a note and said we have AIDS and then killed herself, but like you need to go outside. Need to find a better a better way to emotionally cope. Yes. Yes. And Roger is like, I just want to write one good song before I die so that I am remembered. Because he's a songwriter. He's an artist. We hear a knock on the door. Roger's like, Mark, what'd you forget? And then it's Mimi, this 
goddess of an exotic dancer comes in and she's like we have no power no light no heat can you light my candle and he's like yeah okay you look familiar she's like yeah i'm a stripper and he's like sick i've definitely seen you strip before and he's like she's like oh yeah i have a great ass bye (laughs) (laughs) yep that's what happens okay next then collins finally makes it back to the apartment the next day it's christmas it's christmas morning uh correct the 24th the 25th okay yeah it's christmas morning it so is. the gang is back together. Collins, Mark, and Roger are BFFs. Collins comes in with food, alcohol, firewood. He's like, we're living large, boys. I hit the jackpot. And they're like, it's time. From being a professor? And he's like, nah. By this stunning person, Angel. Angel comes in in a wig and a beautiful dress and is an angel of Christmas. So Angel basically tells the guys, I got really rich by being hired to play drums and kill a dog. And now I have a lot of money. Before they go to life support, Benny comes into their apartment and is like, listen, you guys, I know that you owe me a lot of rent and you want power back because I'm pretty sure it's not back on yet. But if you cancel Maureen's protest, you can be rent free. Mark, who is Maureen's ex-boyfriend, is like, no, she's still my girl. We're going to support her. And Maureen calls Mark and is like, I need your help. My Pookie's not doing it right. Pookie, a.k.a. Joanne, is Maureen's new girlfriend. So then we see the people at Life Support kind of singing about their lives and how they're feeling. And then we go to on the street angel's just trying to help this poor homeless lady from stopping from being nagged by the police i'm sorry are we watching 2020 on this television seems like it so this woman's like angel sweetheart she doesn't say she's very aggressive she's like i don't need your help please leave me alone and angel's like well, I guess that's New York City for you. And they all fantasize about opening up a restaurant. It wasn't Angel who did any of that. It was Mark. I'm very confused. Anyways, after that happens, Mark, not Mark. Okay. Collins and Angel confess their love to each other. They're like, hey, we've known each other for a couple hours, but do you want to move in? Because you want to know why? Because life's too short and they're dying and they know. There it. you go, so girl. Life is want- too short and they are terminally ill. And so they know it's now or never. No day but today. Anyways, Joanne is like super stressed. Just to reiterate, Joanne is... I totally skipped over Tango Maureen. Quick rewind. Rewind. Mark goes to help Joanne, Maureen's new girlfriend, set up for the protest because she's having a hard time. They bond over the fact that Maureen likes to flirt anyways that happened a while ago so flash forward to present day here we are joanne's stressed because she's trying to help maureen figure out how to get this protest in order as well as trying to be a lawyer and appease her parents who aren't really supportive of her life and her priorities we get to see the poor homeless who are really cold in this mix of music Mimi's looking for heroin. Mimi is a drug addict. Roger finds her and apologizes. He's like, sorry we fought about the candle. Do you want to come out with me after this protest? And it's all snowing and it's about, wait, uh, and then, hard cut. We finally meet Maureen. It's been like an hour and we still haven't met her. She's mad about buildings being bought and just basically the system. She's basically holding a sign that says defund the police. And it goes pretty well. People love it. They moo with her. So then they all go to this cafe after and the waiter's like, please don't come in. Y'all are poor and you never pay me. And they're like, it's all good. They start going off as well because they see Benny. Benny's not very happy that the protests still happen. And he's like with his father-in-law. Oh, by the way. 
Benny used to be best friends with these guys, but then he started dating this girl whose dad owns the apartment. So he's like a bougie ass bitch now. They're in the cafe. Everyone's kind of just like, fuck you, Benny. We're better than you. Yeah. And then Benny is like, hey, Mimi, are you going to tell anybody that we used to date? And she's like, shh. <clears throat> Mimi's really annoyed at the same time at Roger because Roger invited her to this after party and he's literally not paying attention. So Mimi's like, hey, do you want to hang out or something? Oh, please give me, excuse me, uh, AZT break, aka she has to take her medication. He's like, <gasps> me too. Both HIV positive. So they hesitantly start to date. We go back to the cafe. They're with everybody. They're kissing. And Joanne's like, Maureen, stop making out with another lady. But also, your apartment is padlocked. And also, Maureen, move out. And they're like, who cares? Curtain shuts. Hard cut. Curtain up. The entire cast is on stage singing about how the only thing really you need in life is love and you can't measure your time on this earth in anything besides the love that is in your life and that's why mark films it i'm getting ahead of myself it's the new year congrats we've watched a week's worth of musical they're all really happy they're dating mark oh by the way at the oh end my of my god at the end of the act, there was a riot. <laughs> and Mark took footage of the riot. Present day. Not present day, but sure. <laughs> that riot footage caught the attention of a really skeezy network called Buzzline. And Darcy Alexa, or whatever her name is, calls. And she's like, Mark, come work for me. Not Darcy Alexa. Alexi Darling? It's the it's the Darcy Alexa for me. <laughs> I don't know her name. So Mark's like, I'm not gonna work for them. Right then, the power turns on. And they get into the building. And they're like, wow, weird timing. And Benny's like, guys, I want a truce because Mimi convinced me. We really hit it off when we were like getting into each other. And Mark Roger's like, no! And they fight about it because Roger's like, are we dating? Are you going behind my back? What's going on? And about two seconds... It's been they... a whole week and we can't decide what we're doing. And also they make up in two seconds. It's fine. But she's so stressed, so she goes and buys more heroin. Now, flash forward two months. What happened? Where Roger is living at Mimi's. We go to maureen's rehearsal for her next protest and her and joanne are having some artistic differences and they don't really agree so they fight and basically joanne's like you are so promiscuous and flirty with other people and i just want to devote myself to you and you don't so we're gonna break up <laughs> spoiler they're gonna get back together again so then the cast comes back out and sings about seasons of love and we know notice now that angel seems to be sick and is dying of what we can only assume is hiv aids it's now spring roger's suspicious of mimi seeing benny he's like i feel like you're still like hooking up with him blah 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 but little does he know she's just using drugs um they are both like stuck in this like epiphany or like whatever being like my life would be terrible without you but the rest of the world we're going i don't know what to do meanwhile collins is selflessly taking care of angel as angel dies bye, bye. gotta go but also at the same time joanne and Maureen are going through their stuff. Basically, at the end of this, like, four minutes, all the couples get back together. Flash forward a minute, Mark gets another call from Darcy Alexa and is like, we still want you for Buzzline. Flash forward. We have this erotic sex scene where we watch 
all the couples do it under covers and the ensemble kind of like orgy around them and at the same time angel is above them also having an orgasm but also dying at the same time it's a very confusing emotion at the end of this sensual scene the couples again break up how many times have joanne and maureen broken up at this point i don't know i don't have time to i don't have time to pick it all apart me neither they break up and angel dies and just as fast as i just said that is as fast as it happens in the musical we flash forward to angel's funeral where they talk about stories about her collins breaks down it is heart-wrenching we're too much it's too much we're now at halloween what how did we get there so fast it's been a year ish mark is questioning his life He's like, I'm alone. Basically, everybody I know is dying or in a relationship and or both. And I'm alone. What do I want to do with my life? I know that feeling. (laughs) You and me both, sis. So Mark's like, I'm just going to sign a contract with Buzzline. Whatever. It's money. Roger's like, hey, I'm going to move to Santa Fe. And Mimi's like, "Uh, what? And he's like, well, you're with Benny now. So they start to fight. And then Maureen and Joanne start to fight. And then Collins is like, hello. Angel is dead. Everyone else is leaving. What is happening to our family? After that, Mark and Roger have this heart-to-heart. And Mark is basically like, Roger, get your shit together. And they fight. Mark is like, Roger, Mimi is running out of time. You love her. She loves you. Figure it out. Don't run away from your problems. But they fight. And then Roger just comes back at Mark and calls him like just terrible things. And it's really sad. When Roger and Mimi say goodbye to each other, Mimi kind of realizes that she needs help. And so she's like, I, somebody please send me to rehab. And Benny all of a sudden is like, I'm going to I'm gonna take a turn and be a good person. And he's like, I will pay for you to go to rehab. Collins then couldn't afford the funeral for Angel, so he gets kicked out. Benny again comes to the rescue and is like, I will cover it. Let's go get some beers. So then we see Roger and Mark both having an epiphany. They're so confused. <clears throat> Mark feels like he's a sellout because he's working for Buzzline. Roger still can't write his song, but he feels his song in Mimi. And then Mark gets really affected by Angel and what Angel's life meant to everybody. So Mark quits Buzzline. And Roger's like, I need to go back to New York and see Mimi. I found a song. I wrote a song. Mark and Roger become friends again, and he makes it back in New York for Christmas. Uh, At this point, all the parents call in their concern. It is Christmas Eve. Uh, Flash forward again, I know. A true year. It's been a year. A true year. We are right where we were at the beginning, but like 365 days later. Mark finally (laughs) finished his video to show and wants to show his friends tonight. Roger's like, yeah, let's watch it. I wrote a song, but I can't find Mimi anywhere. Benny, we find out, his wife found out that he cheated on her with Mimi and, like, cut her out of every, cut him out of everything. Damn straight. Don't cheat. Bad news. Colin shows up with more money, not because of making it rich at NYT or wherever the fuck he was teaching. So he actually stole from an ATM. He rigged it and he's like, you guys can take out as much money as you want. The password is A-N-G-E-L. The boys then fantasize about their damn restaurant in Santa Fe. Joanne and Maureen. We have Mimi. So they care. LOL what? (laughs) Which is oh like roger's been looking for her she's been living in the park homeless and she's dying roger is like oh no and mimi's like i need to tell you before i die i've always loved you and he's like i always get the hard shows to talk about yeah you do roger is like mimi i know you want to die peacefully but i'm gonna play this song for you instead just kidding it's probably beautiful it was it's fine so they 
he plays a song about her eyes, which is amazing because he hasn't been able to write a song in a while. It's about time, Roger. So he plays this song. Yeah, truly. Right? <laughs> so he writes, he plays the song. Shh, he's like, I love you. She dies, and then, oh! She's alive. And she's like, I saw Angel at the end of the tunnel. And Angel was like, go back to Roger. He finally finished the song. That's not what she said, but she's like, go back. He's nice. And so they all end the evening by watching Mark's video and coming together as friends and f- truly memorializing the life of their friend, Angel. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Can I say mine first? Please. I I feel like this is one of those shows that we discovered in middle school during our prime obsession phases. And so like we got this on a burn CD from our friend Nina Weinstein. And we, we being me, just listened to it over and over again. And then the movie came out. I wasn't allowed to see the movie because I was too young. So I had to wait a couple years. But I just saw the tour last year. First time I ever saw it on stage. First time? Yep. Last year? Yeah. Wow. In Boston? Yeah. But yeah, it was the first time I saw it on stage. There's a lot I didn't know about. Yeah, so it was kind of like I watched it for the first time last year because, I mean, it really was. So I actually saw the tour, a little bit of a different experience. Before I had even really met Nina, I got, uh, I, I, heard people at our middle school talking about Rent in our music classes. I would hear people singing songs and I discovered it and would listen to it with some of our friends. And I have a vivid memory of standing outside of my mom's car at our house when we had first moved to the town where you and I grew up, Goffstown. And -hmm. I was standing outside of my mom's car and I said, Mom, this is in the days of iTunes and I think Napster had like just come out. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> LimeWire was Lime really Wire, big. Really, though. So I was like, Mom, you know, I really, I must have been in sixth or seventh grade. And I said, Mom, I really want to listen to this musical, but I I need you to help me download it because it has the F word in it. Oh, yeah. Vivid memory of saying permission. that. Vivid memory of saying that to her. Yes. She's like, all right, well, like, I guess, like, I'll, I'll think about it and let you know. And then she let me buy it, obviously. And I would just listen to it nonstop, nonstop. And the only, so what I would do is I would obsess over like certain songs. So I only listened to like Tango Maureen for like weeks (laughs) and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I would just listen to Tango Maureen. And then it was 2005. The movie came out. I was 12 years old and I begged my mom to let me go. I begged her, begged her, begged her. And I think the movie was rated PG-13. I don't think it was rated R. I think you're right. I think you're right. Because they I'll skipped fact over. Check while you talk. Please do. They skipped over some of the more sexual scenes. You did see a butt, so I guess maybe it was rated R. I think you can do that though in a PG thirteen movie. But I have a vivid memory of seeing it with a girl we went to middle school and high school with named Brianna. But PG thirteen. It was. Yep. <laughs> so I believe all our parents had to do was buy us a ticket. Or we had ju- just the turned 13. Yeah. 
And we were able to go see it. And I just remember being so moved and it was so incredible to me as a 13 year old. And then about a year later, I saw the tour with a different mm. friend in Boston. We had, we bought the tickets and then they were like maybe $30. And then, um, a, a friend's parent drove us to the show. We saw it. I remember being like uncomfortable cause there's like a very, uh, highly implied sex scene in act two, and I remember being very uncomfortable, but I remember being so deeply moved. It was such a magical experience to see that show on stage for the first time. Uh, and then I later saw the the 20th anniversary tour that I think you saw. Uh, and it really just, it's sort of been a staple throughout my theatrical career that Rent is sort of always there. Jonathan Larson really made his mark. I remember when we were in high school, this was another show that we pitched. Oh, constantly. Yeah. All the Specifically, time. like, my freshman year, I remember. Would have been great. Would have been great! It would have been actually probably not really bad. The only problem is that we really, we really didn't have that much diversity, and to paint oh, a picture Oh, it would have been York, an entirely white cast. To paint a picture of a diverse city like New York. But they did come out with a school edition around the time that we were in high school. They did. I haven't seen it, but... Neither have I. That's probably fine. Do you want to talk about our favorite parts? I would love to, but before we do, we're going to ask you another trivia question about the great city of you-know-what. New Yorkers love to abbreviate names. For example, Soho is short for South of Houston. Tribeca is short for Triangle Below Canal. But where is Dumbo? I'm thinking of Doa Tripla, which is from How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> Don't know it. They're like, haven't you heard of this region of New York? It's called Doa Tripla. That is kind of what they're... Th- is, 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 uh, is How I Met Your Mother set in New York? Yeah. Didn't, never knew. Okay, what am I... What is the what of what? What does Dumbo stand for? Dump boat. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is incorrect. Dumbo is a neighborhood in Brooklyn, and the acronym stands for Down Under the Manhattan Bridge Overpass. I, uh, you had to ask me that? (laughs) What do you mean? How in the fuck would I have gotten that right? How would you have gotten any of the other ones right? I can tell you the sections of New York I've been in. They're called Broadway. (laughs) Broadway's unfortunately not an official neighborhood of Manhattan. Well, it's a street. It is a street. That's correct. Thank you. I know things. A very long street. I've been a handful of times. Do you want to do yours first? I would love to. My very first favorite moment is when Mark exclaims, the power blows, and the opening theme of Rent begins. It's the first time we're hearing the entire band. Almost the entire company is on stage. The lights are going crazy. It's a chaotic moment. It's a lovely start to the show after the sort of prologue of the tune-ups and the voicemail. Mm. Next, we're jumping forward to the life support theme. I think it's incredibly moving. It's a beautiful melody. Um, There's only us. There's only this. There's only now. It's such a beautiful moment um, that you get to see these people whose life is involved with so much suffering have a moment of peace. Next up is the bridge of Out Tonight. There's a couple cordial modulations that occur in the second half of the bridge. Yes, girl. Tell me about those cordial modulations. I knew Amanda was really going to like that. So it's right after Mimi says when the Spanish or where the Spanish babies cry. So let's find a bar. So dark we forget who we are. The chord modulates up a little bit and then sort of shifts. And then right before she. (laughs) Do you teach college music? I think people forget that we had a really strong music education in high school and also yeah. our th- college theater program also required a hefty amount of musical theater, a musical musicianship. Thank you. It's a hard word to say when you've been drinking. It is a hard word to say. <laughs> you say it. A lot of consonants, musicianship. A lot of s's. <laughs> and then she exclaims, um, where all the scars of the nevers and maybes cry. What a beautiful lyric. Jonathan Larson really, although his music is beautiful, his lyrics are really moving too. 
He's really incredible with, with the words. Yes. Next up is I'll Cover You. Not the reprise, but the original, the <laughs> first time we hear that song in mm-hmm. Act 1. It's really the first, it's the big emotional high before we get to La Vie Bohème, where you really get to see a moment of beautiful love on stage between two people who love each other so much, Collins and Angel. I also think it's the first song I ever heard a love song between two men. Absolutely. I meant to I meant to say to you, this is probably one of the first times I remember not really knowing what Rent was about, but trying to explain it to someone who didn't know what it was about. And I was like, oh, it's about like different people. That was the first thing I could grasp onto. I should have talked about this earlier. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the first thing that I could grasp onto. It's about people coping with their differences. In a lot of different yes. ways. And I remember not really knowing who was involved, but I was like, there's gay people, and there's lesbian people, and there's black people, and there's white people, and they're all trying to figure out what their differences are. Next up is the climax of Christmas Bells. To me, that song sounds like a cacophony of New York City. If you were to orchestrate what New York City sounds like, that's what it would be. Audience, if you're playing along, you're drinking just as much as me, which is a lot. Cause I guess we are. I keep forgetting it. that we can't stop saying New York City. I have a controversial opinion here. Okay. I think that Without You is arguably one of the most beautiful and underrated musical theater ballads of all time. That is a controversial opinion. I had a college professor break down the lyrics of this song. And so many love songs, you know, really talk about polarizing emotions. Like, I die if I'm not around you. Or like, everything stops or nothing matters. And what this song basically says is, everything else continues to be the same when you are gone from my life. But I am different because you are gone. The earth turns. The earth keeps turning. The birds keep flying. Everything else stays exactly the same. But I am changed when you are out of my life. I just got to chill. It's a beautiful song. I I, I challenge you to go re-listen to it. And even though I know that there's a lot of opinions about Daphne Rubin Vega, but her vocals are sometimes so raw. Yeah. Even if she's not the best vocalist, she's an incredible actress. And... Her portrayal of that, her performance of that song is really incredible. All right, I only have a few more. I know I've taken a lot of time, but I wanted just to go through my last three really quick. It's okay, I have the power to cut. So like we... <laughs> so like we have the emotional high of La Vie Bohème in Act 1, we have the explosive, aggressive low of Goodbye Love in Act 2, where everybody clashes heads. There's an argument. It's orchestrated beautifully well with everybody yelling at the same time. Next up is a weird little moment that I really love because I love really high stakes on stage, even if they're unrealistic. I love when tensions are really, really high. I love in finale A when Maureen and Joanne reveal that they have found Mimi. And from the from the uh, street level, Maureen screams, Mark, Roger, anyone help? Because they found Mimi in the park. I just think the way that Adina's voice sounds as she's belting, Mark, Roger, anyone help? Yeah. Is really beautiful. Uh, Finally, my very last favorite moment is something that will always bring a tear to my eye or a lump to my throat. It is the moment in finale B when the entire company is on stage and they all look off stage to the actor who plays Angel who comes running out to join the group for the final few moments of this of the show. It's such an emotional moment. And you root for Angel for so long in the show. And to have that character pass away is incredibly heartbreaking. And then to have a brief moment of levity where you remember it's only a play. And this story was just meant to provide you some thought is a really beautiful, a really beautiful thing. Um, that was my, that was my last favorite part as well. Ah, I'm glad we shared that makes one. Me, it's a really meaningful yeah, moment. Makes me very emotional. Those are all Absolutely. great. I feel like we have like similarities. I'm sorry I took so long, but I'm ready to listen to yours. That's okay. I'll try to make mine faster. Because they'll probably be ones that I considered and wasn't able to include. But you have to comment on it. I will. (laughs) So, my first one is really anytime. I'm a big fan of the ensemble in this show. I feel like I'm going to talk about the ensemble a lot. So, I think my first favorite part is any Christmas bells are ringing because of the added harmonies every time they sing it. And it just gets bigger throughout the first act, and then it ends with, like, an actual song. Actually, most of my favorite parts are harmonies. Um, My second favorite one is all the background. 
I think what's funny to to talk about right in the Christmas bells thing is that's sort of a a way of reminding you that the first act of this show is all in a twenty four hour period, literally, and then and not even a twenty four hour period. It's like a like a like a twelve hour period. Yeah. Not even really. It's like a like <laughs> an eight going. hour period because the show starts at the show starts at nine p.m. Yeah. December twenty fourth, nine p.m. and it ends sometime after midnight. What time does Maureen hold her protest? She's a she doesn't have a bedtime, I guess. It's probably at about ten thirty or eleven, which is not unheard of. No, you're right. There are drag shows that happen at one a.m. My second favorite part is all the background woes in Santa Fe because they also continue to build and they're just so wild. My third favorite is, and this is going to be the most obvious, but I to this day love Seasons of Love and especially the fact that it gives two ensemble members these opportunities to sing the fuck out of a solo. I watched the 2008 filmed version of the last Broadway show and the two soloists in that were just so stunning. And I think I've listened to Seasons of Love probably six times today. First of all, Eden Espinosa, she's great. So one of my favorite parts in Take Me or Leave Me is her options up. I'm like, how are you singing at the end of this? How are you speaking? How do you have vocal cords? I just like got really uncomfortable, but also so amazed at the same time. Um, Angels Take Me solo in contact. Angels, yeah, you know. Angels whole Take Me while everybody else is like having orgasms. and. Well, it's like a last moment yeah. of like, I need this one last moment of pleasure before I die. Like, I need to be reminded that I'm loved and that I love you. But the lyrics are so central to that physical connection and dying. It's just a crazy moment. I remember being really shocked the first time I watched Contact on stage and then it ends and Angel dies and it's just like the biggest shock and mix of emotions. Well, it's like a magic show. Like yes. it's, it's smoke and mirrors. It's like a complete distraction. It's to almost like you're so shocked with what you're seeing because it's, it's graphic. The yeah. sex scene is graphic yeah. and it's also auditorily like uh, aggressive yeah. And then all of a sudden the, the the chaos ends and you're reminded, like, don't forget, somebody in the show is dying and guess what? Now they're dead. Yep. And to come out of that chaotic number that's so techno and synthetic and computerized and have the first orchestration just be solo piano. My last one is the Cover Me Reprise, which is beautiful, but obviously I got to go for specific harmonies specifically the with a thousand sweet kisses harmonies that's it I don't know how to explain how I feel about these harmonies so it's usually why I don't say something after I just feel so overwhelmed with the beauty of it all especially since Jonathan Larson did not start composing until he was in college it's not like Mozart who started when he was five like he was an acting major and was like I think I like this and he did it the vocals in that number sound, oh my for lack of a better term, rent. Mm. They sound torn open. They sound like this is what would happen if I ripped my chest open and let my soul pour out. Yeah. I have another trivia question to ask you, Amanda. What was the first capital of the United States of America? No. Um, multiple choice again. No. Manhattan? (laughs) New York City. Okay, I'll give it to you. New York City was the first capital of the United States of America before Washington, D.C. was the capital. I was right. I will give it to you, yes. You want to know why I know that? Why? Because of Hamilton. When do they say it? They just, I think they debate at some point about what's going to be the capital. Okay, Edwin Spoon Apple. I'm going to go first. Okay. Anthony Rapp. Yes! That's, Get down with it. Yeah, I thought, I thought you were going to say you too. I love him. I really love the character of Mark. Here's the thing, I get really, I've talked about this before, I get very anxious about how certain people play characters in shows, like, the perfect person has to play Belle. The perfect person has to play the witch. I've been over this. Mark's not one of them. Roger and Mimi are. 
So I guess that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But Anthony Rapp plays the narrator of this so beautifully. And he's so geeky and so animated. Because I think people forget that Jonathan Larson is Mark. And Mark is Jonathan Larson. Yeah, so he 100%. Is, he is the narrator. He is the piece of reality that's taking you through the show. Yeah. Who's yours? Mine is Wilson Jermaine Heredia, who originated the role okay. of Angel Dumont Chouinard, earned a Tony perform- a Tony Award for their performance in this role. Yes, for sure. It is just an amazing performance from an amazing actor, of an amazing character, really the heart of the show. You know what I mean? So much of the show I can't falls apart. Playing that character. Sorry? I can't imagine playing that character. Like, what a difficult character. Not just vocally and physically, emotionally. Absolutely. All of, the, all of the above. Climb every mountain. We have the same person. We do have the same person. And on three, it is one, two. Oh, I have another trivia question for you before oh. we get to our final category. I have another glass of wine to accompany me when I lose. Amanda. Sam. Times Square is named after which NYC newspaper? The New York Times. There you go. Whoa! I read it every day! Do you really? Mm-hmm. Oh, good for you. I can't get by without doing my New York Times mini crossword puzzle every morning. They have a mini one? Oh, yeah. Just how enough many, for me to be able to finish. How many words is it? Usually, like... Eight or nine. Okay, ready? Climb every mountain. Same person. Three. Three. Seven. Six. Jonathan, Jonathan Larson. Larson. <laughs> we've already we've already raved about him. Like we really have. But here's the thing: is if this was not the pinnacle of his career, imagine what else would have been. He would have been. Here's the thing about like somebody like Lin Manuel. Incredible talent. Mm-hmm. An, un- an un- insurmountable force in the theatrical community. Lynn will never write another Hamilton because it's not Hamilton. Hamilton is like the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. Sondheim had successes, had failures. Stephen Schwartz had successes, had failures. Uh, 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 anybody else. The thing about Larson is that he could have had like, he could have had shows that were great and shows that were not great. Like, Lynn is, like, the kind of guy who's, like, going to put a show out there when it's ready. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Like, he's going to put a show out there when he knows that it's time. But somebody like Lar- like Jonathan Larson, he would have just kept writing. Yeah. He would have just kept going and kept producing and kept sending something out. Whether it was, whether it was what critics would say is good or not. Um, well, yeah, because he pushed buttons anyways. Exactly, exactly. Yep. And I think, like, think of the shows that we would have. I don't know. It just, it's heartbreaking. But he is, he is so, that's, that's why he's my Climb Every Mountain Award. He's written, truly, I think, one of, if not the best rock musicals. No, without a doubt. I do want to talk to you about dream roles. I think you're going to say Joanne. No, I need you to close your eyes. Okay. Picture me, Amanda Harrington. Alexi Darling slash ensemble. Goodbye. I'm so Come mad at you. the fuck Alexi on. Darling is Sarah Silverman in the movie. I don't care. She is an amazing character. I want to be in the ensemble so that I can rock out in La Vie Boheme, but also have a funny character that interjects. It's either that or Mark's mom. Give us a call, 9704301, or you can page me at 9679679. Or you can email me at darlingalexinewscom.net or you can page me at beep. How? No, so I thought about like Joanne. I don't feel right. I don't think I could play any of those lead characters except for Maureen because of my race. I think you're right. I think Joanne, I don't think Joanne would need to be played by an actor of, an actress of color unless the voicemail number two didn't exist. Because Joanne's parents are yep. very, a lot of the text in that number lends itself to their race and culture. Yep. 
But I think you're right. I think probably Maureen would be the, the choice for the a white woman in the show. Right. But I also don't really... I used to really want to be Maureen when I was younger. But now that I've become an adult and know what I would have the most fun doing and what I can do, I would be a great Alexi Darling slash ensemble. <laughs> I would have the best I would love time. To play, I would love to play um, Steve. Is he one of the life support guys? He plays the main. Look, I find some of what oh, you teach. Oh, Sam, you would be so because I'm great. used to relying on intellect. Oh, it's so good. Oh, you would be so. Also, good. also, I I don't know where this lies. Obviously, if an actor, if an if an if a white actor was to play this part, a director would need to find adequate casting in other roles to counteract the fact that this was taking away a role from an actor of color but from a from an mm. acting standpoint i would love to play collins yes i also think what vocally i would do a good job but i think the close thing that you have to do is make sure that you create space in the company for more um actors of color to take roles yeah so that you weren't taking away a part from an actor of color I love Collins and Angel, and I was reading about it today, Mm. how they have the most at stake. They're both of color, they're both gay, they're both HIV positive, and they are Mm. the most positive characters in the entire musical. Yep. They literally never have a bad word to say about anybody. Nope. Nope. It's magical. Positivity. They're probably two of my favorite characters. Mm -hmm. And certainly my favorite couple. Oh my god, Sam, we get to see each other this weekend. We have not seen each other since before we started this podcast. Should we take a selfie and post it on our Instagram? I guess we have to, huh? A hundred percent. Thank you guys so much for listening. Next week we are going to talk about another show. We're not sure which one because we keep changing the order, but it'll be a musical. It'll be a musical. (laughs) Bye. We love you so much. Sam is burning down his house. Goodbye now. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information on how to support our podcast, visit bpn.fm slash buzzbroadway or on Instagram at buzzbroadwaypodcast. Buzz Broadway is conceived and hosted by Amanda Harrington and Sam St. Jean with editing by Amanda Harrington. Original music by Carl Pariso with arrangements by Patrick Doro. This is a Broadway Podcast Network production. As always, thank you to our sponsors, to BPN, and to our listeners. See you next time. Buzz Broadway. Buzz Broadway. So just press play today. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.